0: Hi there, I'm Ari from Happy Science, New York. Today I'll be reading from The Heart of Work, Chapter One by Master Ryuhou Okawa, the founder of Happy Science. Chapter One, Finding the True Essence of Work. The Human Nature of Work. Most of us feel that it's only natural to work. Finding a career is part of becoming a full member of society, which we expect to do after we graduate from school. Even seven-year-olds expect to get a job when they grow up, and they know that the money they earn from working will pay the bills for necessities and leisure activities. From a relatively young age, we see our lives as divided into two periods. We spend the first period of life building ourselves, cultivating skills, and developing our character. During this time, we usually don't receive any compensation or get paid for what we do. Our main focus, especially in our school days, is studying and perhaps building physical strength. This is a time when we are financially dependent on our parents. In the latter period, we go out into the world and get a job. Our task now is to produce something of benefit to the world and get paid or compensated for what we do. We not only earn our living, but also provide for our family so that our children can now cultivate skills and build themselves without having to worry about making a living. There are, of course, exceptions. So we cannot always make such a clear-cut distinction between these two periods of life. For example, some mothers return to work after giving birth while others become stay-at-home moms and a lot of students take on part-time jobs to support their family. But whatever our occupation is, work is a fundamental part of life. To understand the role of work in your life, consider the following question. How often do you feel grateful that you have work to do? If you ever feel discontented with your work, have you stopped to consider what it would be like to live without any work to do? You can probably imagine yourself getting bored pretty quickly. Of course, there are people like Bodhidharma, a Buddhist monk who introduced Zen Buddhism to China. He is said to have sat facing a wall for nine years without speaking to anyone. He probably didn't earn any money facing a wall, but his dedication to the practice of Zen served as a model of spiritual discipline for the Zen Buddhists that followed him. If a non-practitioner sat in front of a wall for nine years, he would no doubt be ridiculed and criticized for not doing anything at all or for not providing for his family. We human beings are not made to just sit around and do nothing at all. We are imbued with a desire to work. This aptitude is something we are born with, not something we acquire later in life. It is a fundamental part of being human. Some animals work in the sense that they exert themselves to survive. But, unlike humans, animals cannot break away from a fixed pattern of activities. Let me explain this using some examples. Sea otters have complex feeding habits that are quite advanced for an animal. They dive to capture shellfish from the ocean floor, then swim back and eat them on the ocean surface while floating on their back. They put the shellfish on their bellies and use tools such as rocks to crack open the shells. They dive to capture shellfish from the ocean floor, then swim back and eat them on the ocean surface while floating on their back. They put the shellfish on their bellies and use tools such as rocks to crack open the shells. They may look as if they are working on a specific task, but in fact, they are simply using a conventional method of feeding themselves. They are just doing what sea otters do, but they never take on new tasks. Sea otters don't, for example, develop new methods of getting food or cook the shellfish they've caught. The same holds true for other animals. For instance, sheep grow fleece, and from our perspective, that is their job. A sheep's fleece can be used for a multitude of purposes, but I doubt that sheep are aware of the purpose for growing fleece. It is something that they do naturally. They don't make a conscious effort to produce good fleece for the market. Chickens lay eggs, but they do not produce anything out of the eggs. They do not cook eggs, nor do they trade their eggs for something else. They only engage in a set pattern of behavior. The work that we humans do is quite different in nature. We all have the ability to create something new using the unique talents that each of us has. We are capable of producing a variety of objects from a single material. We are in a blessed position to feel the same sense of joy that the primordial God of the great universe experienced at the time of creation. The essence of work is very closely related to the nature of human beings. God gave us the desire to work so that he could share his joy of creation with us. Two, the rewards of work. When God gave us work, he made sure that it didn't end there. He made it so that we get rewarded for good work. In most cases, this reward takes the form of monetary compensation or career advancement. It can also be a spiritual joy that comes from receiving compliments from a lot of people. God could have made a system in which we could exert ourselves to work regardless of whether we would be rewarded. But he decided to let us receive compensation for our efforts. He knew that this was the key that would allow human beings to keep working forever. What if God had set a rule that the chefs in upscale restaurants were only allowed to prepare exquisite cuisine for the customers and were never allowed to enjoy that cuisine themselves? After a while, great chefs would find it difficult to continue in their profession, master culinary arts, and feel proud of their work. We are motivated to refine and improve our skills because we are rewarded for good work. This may sound like a selfish idea, but it really isn't. Behind this idea is God's grand plan. He created a system out of mercy that allows us to savor the joy of work forever. Our work is always rewarded, but the reward may not necessarily be monetary. Sometimes we are rewarded with a good family, a fine house, financial stability, or the freedom to try new ventures. Good work can also lead to the good opinion of others, self-improvement, and higher social status. Whatever their form, good work always brings in rewards. In essence, the nature of work is to produce value. Good work is activity that creates benefits. We are compensated for our work because our actions create some kind of profit. We feel guilty for getting paid when our actions have inconvenienced others or damaged the company because we are receiving a reward even though our work has had a negative effect. Conversely, we are not surprised when even promising workers are demoted, face a pay cut or in the worst scenario, lose their job if their actions have harmed the company. The work we do is supposed to create value and bring in profits, and that's why we are rewarded for it. We should be grateful for receiving compensation for our work, but at the same time, this system was designed by God, so it is only natural. We should dedicate our lives to our work, because when we do, we experience the reward of spiritual joy. By contrast, when we work half-heartedly, we feel a twinge of conscience or emptiness we sense that something is not right. You may have heard a story about a prodigal heir who destroyed his family's wealth and position after he inherited a vast amount of money from his parents or took over the family business. In many versions of this story, the cause of the son's failure is his inability to devote his life to work. As a result, he feels empty inside. He tries to fill in the gap and gloss over his inability to work by immersing himself in the pursuit of pleasure spending money lavishly until he finds himself bankrupt. People in this situation share a feeling of guilt for receiving compensation for work that they haven't staked their lives on. They try to stave off this guilt by fooling themselves. They stop thinking rationally and take on strange ventures to numb their senses. When we look out at the world, we see that those who stake their lives on their work rarely fail. Even Jesus Christ, who did not gain high social status or achieve financial success, despite having completely devoted his life to his mission, was rewarded in the end. Jesus has been venerated and worshiped as the Lord of humankind for 2,000 years, and this itself represents a tremendous reward for his work. The work we devote our life to will never go unrewarded, and when we receive this reward with gratitude, our soul will fill with joy. Three, three steps to devoting your life to work. Step one, discover your calling. How can we devote our lives to work? The first step before anything else is to find our calling. It is very difficult to devote our life to our work unless we feel that it is our vocation. For example, no matter how well built a person may be, He will find it hard to imagine himself becoming a baseball player or a professional wrestler if all he is interested in is studying. If his soul finds delight in a life of study and wants to pursue an academic path, his physical aptitude will not make it any easier for him to dedicate his life to wrestling or baseball. Although finding our calling is the prerequisite to devoting our life to work, a lot of people in the world today especially those who are doing office work, probably find it difficult to find their calling in their current job. If you feel that you haven't yet found your vocation, don't lose hope. You may be able to find a vocation by changing your career, so I recommend that you concentrate on finding a job that you feel is your calling. If you can believe that you've discovered your calling in your job, that it is your mission, then you will be able to devote your entire life to your work. I emphasize the importance of finding our calling because when we do, we're already halfway toward fulfilling our mission in life. It doesn't matter how talented or untalented we feel we are. If we want to achieve great success in life, we need to find a job that we believe is our calling. Even the most talented painters will not be successful if they're limited to doing clerical work. In the same way, the talents of gifted scientists cannot blossom if they are trained to be poets. Everybody has a place where their unique gifts can bloom. The important thing is to search and find the job for which we are best suited. Step two, develop a zest for work. The second and most important step to dedicating our life to work is to have enthusiasm. There are a lot of smart people in this world, but not all of them have achieved outstanding success. i had always wondered why some very intelligent people are not able to show their abilities, get paid well, or get ahead at work. So I decided to carefully watch and study some of these people. After a while, I came to the conclusion that they lacked enthusiasm. Even the brightest among us cannot improve our work skills or open up new paths unless we are enthusiastic about what we do. What do you think is the most critical element in making good pottery? Even if we have the best skills, the best clay, the best glaze, and the best design, we will not be able to produce the final product without firing it in a kiln. The fire in the kiln is equivalent to our enthusiasm for work. Without enthusiasm, we cannot produce first-class results, even if we have the best talents, best skills, and best ideas. Jesus Christ was able to accomplish so much because he had passion for his mission. The same is true of Socrates. He was an exceptionally intelligent person, but that alone isn't what made him a leading historical figure. The only reason his name remains known to this day is that he was enthusiastic about his work. Confucius's passion was the driving force that kept him going as he traveled around the country preaching. Shakyamuni Buddha was able to preach and leave behind an immense number of versatile teachings about the truths because he was passionate about his mission. Shakyamuni was very intelligent, as is reflected in the old Eastern expression, smart like Shakyamuni, but in the end, it was his enthusiasm that made Shakyamuni carry out his mission. To be successful, we may need brains or brawn, but our zealous enthusiasm is what will lead us to success in the end. Conversely, a lack of enthusiasm will prevent us from excelling. This principle applies not only to work we are paid for, but also to unpaid work. Only when homemakers manage the household with enthusiasm can they successfully support breadwinner's devotion to their paid work. On the other hand, if homemakers are apathetic instead of passionate about their work. They make it more difficult for breadwinners to achieve great success. Imagine soldiers going to war. They cannot fight well if their armor is coming apart and their swords are rusty. Someone needs to make sure that they have everything they need before they set out to war. I can't emphasize this too much. Zeal is the jewel that surpasses everything else in any effort to achieve success. Step three Fill your heart with gratitude. The third step to devoting our life to work is to understand that some of the workings of the world remain invisible to the human eye. Some people may think that this idea is old-fashioned or superstitious, but it is the truth. There are millions of companies in the world. In Japan alone, there are at least a few million companies. Many of these companies run at a loss or barely break even and have just enough cash to pay the employees. But some of these businesses outperform others by far, develop into corporate giants, and expand globally. What is the secret to their success? Of course, it could be the diligent work of each of the employees. Still, I cannot help but sense that above all, the turning of fortune's wheel is at work. Whether we're talking about a person or a corporation, I believe that the workings of good fortune are behind every success. What then can we do to encourage the invisible power of good fortune to help us? First, we must believe in our own luck. And to believe in our luck, it's essential to feel that God protects us and rejoices in our work. If you find that God is too big to think about, try imagining how your ancestors or the founder Or previous CEOs of your company would feel if they looked at your work. Do you feel a sense of joy and blessing coming from them? That feeling is essential to attracting good fortune. Many companies start to decline after the fourth or fifth generation of owners because the current owner neglects to appreciate the efforts of the previous owners. When the owner forgets the original purpose of the company, And no longer feels grateful to those who built the basis for the current prosperity, the owner's luck begins to falter and the company starts doing poorly. Receiving guidance from God or heavenly spirits is essential to a life dedicated to work. Only when we believe that we are doing a job that is blessed by heaven will we be able to devote our life to it. Receiving blessings and divine support will improve our luck and a path to success will open before us. Having faith in God, or in other words, being grateful to the source or higher power is fundamental to doing great work. A willingness to serve a greater purpose and a devotion to God are what make it possible for us to dedicate our life to our calling. Our success depends on our gratitude and devotion to something greater than ourselves. People who are intelligent but do not achieve success behave like critics and find fault with others, but they lack gratitude or enthusiasm for their work. Gratitude to God is the driving force behind enthusiasm. It is a pity that some people ridicule those who work with gratitude to God. We should not let their sneering bother us. Instead, we should stay grateful and keep working diligently to achieve success. We should dedicate our heart and soul to work. Work is what we devote our entire life to. When we find our calling, work with passion, and move forward with the guidance of heaven, we will be walking on the path to spiritual success. So that was chapter one of The Heart of Work by Master Ryuho Okawa. How does one accomplish outstanding work, navigate the four types of relationships at the workplace, or use the power of rest to make the most of our time and climb the ladder of success? Find out by getting your copy of The Heart of Work at Okalabooks.com a happy science temple, or any place where books are sold. To cultivate longer focus and concentration, receive insight and inspiration into what your strengths are or calling could be, and bring out a greater desire to be of service to others, become a member and receive the Sutra, the true words spoken by Buddha. Reciting the Sutra will connect you directly to the Creator, whom at Happy Science we call El Cantare. This existence is familiar to Christians, Jews, Muslims, Buddhists, Hindus, and many others as al is the Father, is Allah, the primordial Buddha, and the central creator God of many world faiths and religions. This direct connection will open your eyes to the abundant wealth and possibilities in the universe and fill you with energy and ideas. You can join us as a member by contacting us through our website, Happy Science North America. Like and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Happy Science New York, and podcast, Happy Science Daily Dose of Light, for more readings of Master Ryuhou Okawa's books.